Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre, and today I have Molly Connolly and Jason Mundock on the show. Welcome. Hello, Hi, Matt. Matt. Hi, Matt. I love you guys. It's always good to talk. I think we last did a podcast, the three of us together, at the uh, Find Your Moose conference a year ago. Yeah, probably so. And uh, maybe a, right before it. And there was another one of those, which I sadly did not uh, get to attend, so I wanted to have you guys on to talk about... Um, what I missed. What did I miss? Well, we've got a lot to tell you, and we missed you too. Um, beginning of September, we had our second Find Your Moose, and uh, we had a great time. But Jason and I were thinking maybe we'd run through what some of the speakers talked about because we're also going to be posting the videos on our website. Does that sound good, Matt? I like that. Um, I don't know. Where, where do we start, Jason? Who do you want to talk about first? Um, let's talk about Heather Winkle. Oh, the, I have to say this. When I saw the news thing, um, I had already kind of arranged my schedule because I've been traveling a ton this year. And you posted that Heather Winkle is going to come to the conference. And I almost just said, I, I, no, I got to change my schedule. I got to buy a ticket. I got to go to this thing. <laughs> that that so was the most fantastic. painful because she is amazing. <laughs> great speaker. Great content. So start well, with that. Here's Tell so obviously she did so much for the FileMaker community. Now yes. she's at Capital One. She has a team in Chicago. So not only did she speak and kind of deliver some very specific techniques in how, you know, how to identify what problems need to be solved. She showed a bunch of different ways that her team identifies a problem, brainstorms a solution, and then narrows it down. So that was, re that was really interesting because I always love how she gives real examples of how to approach something, but something that you can do. It's not just this big theoretical thing. It's like, put these sticky notes on a wall, identify which button is used, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So her presentation as usual was really well thought out, very helpful, very informative, but she also brought her team. And so over the lunch hour, people got to sit down with their solutions and have people analyze them. And I found it incredibly helpful. I mean, these guys were awesome. You just, you know, sit down and I'm not, super design oriented. So a lot of the stuff for me was very basic, but there's other people who are very good at user interface and they were getting stuff out of it as well. Hmm. So that was, that was really fun. That's cool. So how many people on our team? Well, she, she manages 80 people now <laughs> <laughs> and she brought two guys, you yeah. know, she brought two guys to the conference, but yeah, 80 people all, you know, across the U S I think there's like five different cities. She said she's traveling you know, more than ever before. But yeah, well, that, she probably doesn't like that part, but it's fun. She's she gets doing, to she's actually have a, a, definitely a much bigger impact. The thing about that that must have been even more amazing um, is that it's coming from outside the FileMaker space. It's not us talking to ourselves, you know. That's and right. In the Finding Moose conference, you guys have a, you've done a better job with that by far than any of the other FileMaker conferences of getting outside voices in. You know, so thank I, I you. appreciate you bringing <laughs> I appreciate you bringing that up because it was one thing that we were kind of deliberate about and we're always a little nervous cuz like, you know, some of the speakers like we had one speaker who just kept saying filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but she wasn't talking about filemaker specific. She was talking about hiring. She was an expert um, you know, in hiring and onboarding and, you know, getting the team working in the same direction. Um, but we need that perspective, right? Because we all work in our own little silos. So it was really nice to have people from outside. Um, and even if they didn't fit in specifically to the FileMaker work we do, like having that extra perspective was helpful. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, there, there were a lot of really great speakers this year. I just felt like that every session I felt like I was walking away with something tangible, something that I could 
put into practice right away. Um, and that that to me is important in a conference. Like if I'm going to spend the time to sit there and you know travel, be away from my family and all that, like I really want to be able to walk away with actionable items. It's one thing to explore the concepts and the abstract, but it's another to to have those those real takeaways. And and I thought I thought the speakers really did a lot of great work in in presenting both. Uh, presenting a conceptual, maybe a theory, or and then but then saying, okay, well, here's how you can actually implement this in practice. Uh, Jonathan Stark was w- one of our speakers, and he's just always great. I um, always he, love he, talking to him, fighting with him. Yeah, he, I, I was <laughs> going to say that one of the him. things I missed. One of the things I missed uh, about you not being there was um, you challenging Jonathan on some of the value pricing concepts, and um, I mean that's legendary stuff there. Uh, so, but he, you know, he really brought it, and I think that his, you know, his message is really becoming much much more refined over the years he's just he's getting really really good at delivering that message and um articulating in a way that you can really um you know you can really see the benefit of it uh there was a you know we had a reception the first night of the conference that was sponsored by filemaker uh where we all you know went to a bar and had a great back room and um excellent excellent place and i got into a really long discussion with three or four people just specifically about jonathan's talk and Mm -hmm. And about, you know, sort of implementing it. I'd love to have you there, Matt. Sorry the biggest thing about that is it, it, it really gets you to think because there's ideas that he presents that you that are incontrovertibly. Oh, that's a really, really good pronunciation that are true. <laughs> you can't deny it. Right. But yet, Absolutely. But yet applying it to the daily life of working with a customer where hourly is just so much simpler and easier. And I don't really think it does work against the customer's best interest. I think it. Um, you know, in, in, if you're a good developer and you have your customer's interests at heart and all the people who work in your organization are the same way, there's no built-in motivation to overbill or to bill hours that are not actually in the customer's best interest. I just, I have not found that to be true, and that's kind of one of the positions. But on the other hand, um, taking that whole thing out of the equation and just saying, this is the price it's going to cost, and we're just going to build you an awesome solution, and we're not going to think about hours, I love that idea, too. Uh, so it's just, it's not, well, and it's not, I like it's this not so year. simple. Yeah, it's not so simple. And I like this year. He gave some actual metrics and some specifics on if you're thinking about doing this, here's how you do it. Right. This hmm. is before it was the concept, kind of selling the concept that this is a good idea or not a good idea, whatever mm-hmm. you think. But um, I liked in this session in particular, he was like, you know, use. Uh, you know, use these numbers, use this metric. Here's how you estimate it. Here's a, here's a way to start. And then the other interesting thing is um, one of the objections over the years has been, you know, when people equate value pricing to, oh, I'm going to get, you know, I'm just going to get raked over because it's like a fixed bid. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, Jonathan says it's not a, it's not fixed bid if you present it the right way. But then we had Jeff Scornavaca come in and he does value pricing at a very large corporate company with a large team. Like a lot of the other question was like, oh, I could do value pricing if it was just me. But then Jeff's talk was about how he's very successfully implemented this model, again, at a large, mm-hmm. large corporation with a, you know, with a large team. So interesting to see that. And then, uh, you know, shortly after, when people, my, my presentation was talking about how to schedule your time, right? So again, mm-hmm. I don't care how you're billing it, but I was talking about when you've got multiple projects you have to be able to communicate when a deadline is. You you have to be able to say when this thing is going to get done. So there is a time element that needs to be considered. So lot, there was lots to talk about, very lively discussion. Yeah, and it was great how these sessions overlapped like that, where mm-hmm. you could really 
you could you could take the concepts from one and then see another perspective on what you're doing every day, right? And then how those two things might play together or maybe not, you know, in some cases. So, yeah, it was great. Jeff's Jeff's talk definitely was a great uh, compliment to Jonathan's. Um, another session that I really enjoyed was Adam Aronson from Full City Consulting. He mm-hmm. he brought a perspective on sales, and this was really important from a consulting perspective because, you know, Adam's message was that we as consultants, especially when we start out as just lovers of development, like we're just we're technicians, you know, mm-hmm. we just love to mm-hmm. solve problems, and then we we start a business and we have to suddenly sell. How how much resistance there is, right, to that, and how. It's it's not a natural thing for most of us to go to, and sometimes we just ignore yeah. it and wow, hope the phone rings. I can't. There's an incredible amount of truth resonating in that with me right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> with it's, my, it's, my business it's situation right now. So, so what was and, this and there's a well, there's a perspective that that one of the reasons we resist sales is because of the stereotype of the the salesman, right? Mm-hmm. This, you know, we have this sort of uh, used car salesman caricature of what it means to go out and sell. And what Adam did was he he um, he contrasted that perspective with what he's learned about being the seller of consulting services and high-end services. You know, he started out selling really high-end stereo equipment years ago, and, mm-hmm. and he worked at a shop where they were encouraged to just sort of get the units out the door. Uh, and the low-end units were actually more profitable. But what, he, what resonated with him was the experience of bringing somebody in and, and really understanding what they wanted to hear and what, mm-hmm. they, what they wanted to listen to and then pairing them up with really good equipment to make that experience wonderful. So he, he ended up with a lot more recurring business. You know, people would come back to him and buy other high-end equipment, but his, his managers weren't necessarily keen on the fact that he was less profitable. Um, but that translates really, really well into uh, sales of consulting services. So mm-hmm. because he mm-hmm. resonated with that, line of thinking he might not have been so cut out for retail right but he was cut out for selling consulting projects because it's all about uh, you know really analyzing needs and yeah, yeah and, the and, relationships and, and the uh yeah so so it was a great talk and, and he had some very tactical um ideas as well some that that i you know have already started implementing which is great you know one hmm. in particular that jumps to mind is talking about when somebody gives you a referral and how he always circles back around, like if he if there's a referral and he takes the project and they end up with a successful project, he'll take that back around to the person who made the referral, actually show them the solution, talk to them about it, you know, give them a lot of information about how they were able to solve the problem that that person had referred to. And it just really closes the circle. And, it, and, it, and it's a really great way to um, to give somebody the confidence that they they did right by their hmm. You know their friend or whoever. I thought that I was like a great that. Tip, uh, tip. Yeah. You know, on the idea to iPad, that actually um, reminds me of something. On the idea to iPad thing that FileMaker and Apple Stores are doing, the mm-hmm. thing that I found is really great with those is after you get a referral from an Apple Store to do one of those and build a little prototype for the iPad, take it back to the store with the customer that you wrote it for and do the demonstration on the thing to the business team. So they can say, oh, yeah, oh. two weeks ago we had this idea that it was an app. We built the app, and here it is, and here's the person using it, you know, because the store's right. like, wow, I, the business reps, I have no idea what goes into making an app. And to be able to see a, a super short example of that was uh, was very powerful. We've done that a couple of times. Yeah, that's exactly the, the idea of taking it back, closing the circle, proving that you were able to take care of the situation, and then that just sets you up for future referrals. You know, I have not done that for other referrals, but I'm going to start doing that for everything, I think. There you go. 
Well, it's it's just so funny that when he there were a couple moments like this where he would say something and you're like, man, well, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why haven't I done that for the last 20 years? So it was neat. There were, there were a lot of moments like that. So Mark, um, tell me more yeah. about your um, your scheduling one. What were the high points of that one? Scheduling oh, time. Um, you know, I really enjoyed doing it because I was able to talk about it. One of the things I think um, I'm good at, especially when I ha- had a very large team. Now I've got a smaller team, but... Um, just this idea of being able to visualize how much work needs to be done and how to schedule people and scheduling in terms of especially how to teach junior people how to manage their schedules. I think that there's a real um, skill set that needs to be learned in terms of saying, OK, I've got five projects on my plate. This client's screaming the loudest, but maybe that's not the one I need to be working on. Like, that's a, obviously a natural mm-hmm. tendency. Whoever's yelling, I'm going to go after it. Um, so I just sh- demonstrated um, a tool that I use to kind of visualize, here's my team, here's how I have um, backup on each project, and here's what the priorities are. And those priorities change every week, right? This week we've got to spend you know, this much time on this project to get towards this deadline. And the other thing that um, I think a few people said was like, oh, a little more of an aha for them was uh, just to overschedule. I do spend a lot of time scheduling my team, um, and, you know, you, people get to a different level and they can schedule themselves. Mm-hmm. But when they're new to say, hey, your first priority is to spend eight hours on this. Your second priority is five hours on this. Your third priority is this. Mm-hmm. So that you don't have that spin time when you're saying, well, you know, you don't get lost spending all your time on one thing. And you also don't have spin time when, let's say, a project comes to a halt. And then I know it sounds silly, but if you waste a half hour figuring out what you're going to do next, that's a half hour. Yeah. Right. And most successful developers are very busy. And if you've got 15 people on your team and they're all losing a half hour, an hour, two hours a day, that's deadlines that are going to be missed. So I I had fun with that. And then we got um, some feedback. We'll probably do a follow up. One of the things I'm going to do for Elusive Moose members starting in January is spin up kind of these small group discussions. I think you were on one for product development. Yes. But I think I'll do a little, little smaller groups because people are throwing out topics. They're like, oh, I'd like to go a little more in depth on this. Um, and so we'll do some more of those small groups that just kind of resulted out of the questions from the sessions that we presented at Find Your Moose. Okay. Hey, you and I talked about a, um, a data model project at one point too, like uh that we we have yes. observed in our long career that there's these data models that are recur and some of them are not so simple but they're still uh, you know in other words they're, they're pretty complex and involved and they wouldn't be obvious but yet they're really commonly used as a lot of you know businesses that have the same even something as simple as I've, a CRM actually is not as simple as it might seem what what's up with that well that it's a, a little bit on hold but i haven't lost track of it because i do think it is one of the really important things like as i'm teaching my jumpstart classes mm-hmm. um it occurs to me that the reason some people take a really long time to do a simple project like a contact database mm-hmm. is they get stuck on do i normalize it do i not normalize it should it be flat do i have to what do i do mm-hmm. and so i felt like if we could put together a little library of you know here's some common data models Again, you talk about spin time. If somebody's new or you're new to a particular subject matter, I'm my new project is a property management system. And I haven't done one before. So I'm going to spend more time spinning and figuring out that model. Mm-hmm. But if I could look at something and be like, "Oh, that's a, you know, that's an option. That's a best practice. That's how you avoid not being able to report on something down the line." Um so 
so I'll be calling you, Matt, because I want to continue to work on developing those models and being able to present them in a, in a very simple way. Like, here's the scenario. Here's the data model. Here's yeah. why. That's not really a, like elusive moose content type stuff, but uh, that's definitely something that would be a great project. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. it might not, be. We've been... Would We've been be? talking about if we should fold. Uh, Jason and I are playing around with if we should fold some of our training under elusive moose. Yeah, just because be we're getting a lot more discussion and a lot more interaction on the content that we're providing. So I'm I'm kind of playing with that. All right, that's good. It just it seems to me that most of the content's not some geeky filemakery like like this one is. It's true. This this is I I don't want to like elusive moose. We're trying to focus on overall you know business mm -hmm. benefits, right. quality of work. Um, yeah. And so, and it's so easy for all of us to dive into the technical and be like, "Ooh." <laughs> there are other conferences so, for that. <laughs> yeah, DevCon and Pause on Air. <laughs> right, right. Where you can really dive. That, where that's the focus. Mm -hmm. So, what were the other uh, some of the other uh, sessions that you loved from from Finder Moose? Oh, one of my favorites. I'm telling it, Jason. So you're not going to believe this. So uh, you might remember um, Ellen Burton. She was on yes. the coaching yeah. panel last year. She was on year. my panel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. And she was teasing you. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> so, she really. She's, she's a sassy woman. Tell her hello. <laughs> so get, guess what Ellen did? Ellen got for our Thursday morning 9 a.m. session. She literally got, you know, all these developers, computer people, business mm -hmm. owners, cutting and pasting magazines and putting together like a vision statement. It wow. was like, we got to get the pictures out. It was fabulous. She led this session where she said, you know what? You can't, you can't get where you want to go if you don't know where you're going. So let's, let's not do this paper mm -hmm. and pencil. Let's stand up. They're sitting all over the auditorium, like with paste and glue and beads and all kinds of stuff, putting together vision boards. And, um, you know, it was, I, I, she told me that's what she was going to do. And I was like, Ooh, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, Good these are with programmers. <laughs> yeah. And everybody did it. There were, everybody. She has such a, a command of the space around her that, you, you know, you just kind of walked in and she said, you go over there. And it's like, yeah, OK. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yes, OK. Yes, I will. <laughs> it took me about five seconds to get that from her. That's yeah. it, right? I, so, no yeah, matter, no matter what I tried for, in terms of wit or to be funny, she had me out, me outgunned at every turn. <laughs> and anybody else would have, would find the same thing. Yeah, she's a powerful woman, that one. <laughs> so it was a really nice way to kind of set the day. And, and a couple people wrote back just saying, um, you know, it was nice to do something a little different. And, and again, to have that infusion of we're very interested in helping you with tangible results for business, your business efforts, for making more money, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But also like, you know, we keep to enjoy your work. Like here, here's how you can really dive in and have a great day and have a great vision and do the kind of things you want to do. Okay. What else? More and more and more. More and more. What do you um, think, Chase? Well, you know, um, I thought that we had this, this uh, fellow named Casey Malqueen who was really, I, I, he had a really a big impact on me. And um, Molly, you could probably speak to his backstory a little bit more. Um, an organizational psychologist, I think, would be the title. Hmm. Yes. Um, and he came in from a from a group in, in Colorado, uh, a company that he works for, and they do a lot of work around uh, brain science and, and thinking. And the, the takeaway from his session was that we have these negative biases that are sort of built into our DNA. And what his group does is they they help you recognize those biases so that you can uncover 
the kind of thinking that's actually causing you to stand in your own way. So he gave some, I mean, of course, he had 45 minutes to do it, but he gave some very, very specific examples of, of ways that we think and, and ways that research around um, what we're drawn to and how those things can impact us in our work. Um, so it was, it was way outside of, you know, I'm a software developer mm-hmm. and I own a software development company. So, but so what, it was very much well one of the things that i that has stayed with me is that that we're drawn to negativity in mm-hmm. other words if we have um they, they there's this research where if they show these images of of a streetscape and and everybody is happy like or, or moderate like their facial expressions but mm-hmm. there's one person who's in in anguish that we will we will immediately like when they do eye movement studies and mm-hmm. that sort of thing vast majority of people and the vast majority of time is spent on that one person. There might be a hundred people in this image right. or, or 50 people. So mm-hmm. it's just this idea that you can, that that's where our brain goes to. And that's, you know, that explains. Sure. Uh, well, and then he did some tangents. I'll talk about the example he did. I don't know if it'll translate without actually seeing it, but, but basically he said, okay, Molly, stand up. Tell me how long it's going to take you to get from this side of the room to that side of the room. And I was like, well, t- 10 seconds, you know, a couple steps. And he's like, all right. And then I got halfway across the room and he stood in front of me. And then he's like, now go that way. Right. And I had to turn and go the other way. And suddenly it was not 10 seconds. It was, you know, it's going to be five minutes or however long it was going to be. And it was the perfect example. And a couple of people walked away from it saying, I'm doing that with my client. When they ask me when it's going to be done, I'm going to say, well, why don't you stand up and tell me how long you think it's going to take to get across the room? Yeah, that would go really well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he did just a bunch of examples like that to like really get you to visualize like the reality of your estimate, the reality mm-hmm. of where you're going to spend your time. Yeah, so, um, I, so sometimes it, I try to say like, well, there's there's like eight hours of raw programming there, but of course there's a lot of project management and testing and waiting and other things like that. So probably you know six weeks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he was he was able to kind of take some of these examples. So the thing I explained was this this sort of just psychological idea of how there are things that we don't even think about there are things that we don't um recognize in our day-to-day that are you know way outside of what we what we would notice that are actually influencing us that are affecting us and then he shifted over to these um these examples like molly was explaining about and, and about how you can um use some t- some tactics or some techniques to identify risk uh, in anything that you're doing, uh, by doing, you know, pre-mortems by, by brainstorming and exploring what could go wrong with a project. Um, and, and Molly's example was a great segue to that because, you know, we had, we saw this thing in action where without any other information, the question of how long will it take you to get from point A to point B was a very simple answer. But in reality, right, there were all these roadblocks. Right. So what he wanted us to then do was to say, take a project, Take the beginning, of, but before you do that project, you know, get the team together, sit down, and have fun brainstorming all of the things that could completely train wreck that project. Hmm. Like all of those obstacles that we didn't think about, that Molly didn't think about when she stood up to walk across the room. And then you, you explore those, and then you start to identify those as risks, but then you start to do things uh, in advance and proactively to avoid those from happening. So hmm. a lot of it is really just about getting it in top of mind, you know, getting those things in front of you, and all of a sudden you're reacting to them. Um, so very interesting, very hmm. interesting. It was like a TED Talk. It was fantastic. That's great. Yeah. yeah, that's actually what that sounds like. I love that. Yeah. 
you know what else was interesting? We can go on and on. But the, the other one is, so um, we all know Chris Ippolite. He's done the Lynda.com mm-hmm. series. He has tons of technical information for us. So I asked him this time to do something a little different. So he actually dove into, uh, you know, I said to him, you know, how do you, he wears a lot of different hats. Not only does he have his FileMaker practice and his Lynda.com training, but he's also um, a fantasy football expert. So he has this whole yes, other persona, this whole other business where he's consulting um, about fantasy football picks. So I said, well, can you do a session on how you balance all those things? And, and what his talk ended up being, which was obviously clever and very crisp, was getting in the zone. Like, how do you be the most effective? And he had all these, same thing, he had done a little bit of brain research and he and Casey's talks kind of complemented each other um, and just talked about how, how you get yourself in the headspace um, to accomplish a different task. So it was not the scheduling necessarily, but it was um, how do you sit down and dive into it? Those times when you're really producing and how do you consistently reproduce that? So that was really interesting for him to share that, um, how he did it, and then how you make decisions about what you're actually, you know, there's times when you say no. I'm, I'm, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to accomplish all of that. So right. um, that, that was fun to see him doing something in a little different context, but sharing a lot of the lessons he's learned along the way. Hmm. I, th- cool. I think this conference really helped us um, figure out part of what we're doing overall with Elusive Moose. This this conference really illustrated this um, uh, complement of topics that are very tactical, very business centered, very, you know, we're going to help you improve your processes and conceptual, right? Um, stuff that wraps around that. You can't you can't live and work in a vacuum separate from the, you know, separating these two ideas. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't sit down and say, well, all I have to do is follow these 10 steps and I will make more money without acknowledging all of the things that wrap around that, like my life and, mm-hmm. you know, my mood and, and, you know, things that are preventing me from, um, from maybe thinking clearly about something or sure. that I'm not getting enough sleep or whatever. So it was really interesting to see that kind of come together in, in real life. And I think that this year was a lot more uh, we, we were able to do that um, more succinctly and, and kudos to Molly on that for programming the, the, the talk and the or the, the talks and really putting together a great just palette oh. of ideas. It was really fantastic. I'll tell you what I was so happy about. So uh, Chiyoko Yoshida came and mm-hmm. afterwards she said, you know, the, the way it was put together and, you know, you never know if people are going to notice where you're spending your time. She's like, it was like a really good mixtape. <laughs> like, yes, that's what I was going that's for. Funny. Like I want, you know, you want things to kind of bleed into each other and refer back to each other. And so I, I feel like we we had that good energy going. Did she do her awesome drawings of all the speakers again this time? <laughs> yes, yes. We've got to. I, I got to get those from her. They're fantastic. Yeah, they're amazing. So what else? What else was so? Great? Uh, well, I. I um, Jason, you didn't talk about your presentation, and then maybe, Matt, if we have enough time, Jason, maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the resources that oh, yeah, came yeah. out of your talk. Yeah. Is well, that okay, Matt? About. Well, I talked about, my session was called Enjoy Your Work. You know, that's a tagline mm-hmm. we have at Elusive Moose, and, and I really wanted to get to the heart of what we mean by that, because it's a bit abstract. And, um, you know, the, 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 the summary is that enjoying your work is really about a, finding a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment in your work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the the um, all positive, all bliss, all the time definition of enjoy. <laughs> it's more about experiencing the full spectrum of emotion when you're doing something that you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so what I did with my session was um, I told my 
my personal story and how um, I've been on this, you know, a quest my entire, not my entire adult life, the last 15 years or so of my, my adult life, how I went from being a free-spirited musician in my 20s uh, without much of a career and then how I turned into um, sort of a career path person because I had family and these other circumstances. And, and how the last free-spirited musician again? <laughs> now I'm now I I'm a much smarter free-spirited free musician, musician. Yeah. Uh, who was able to uh, you know to support my family and and um, and really explore different things that I'm really really you know passionate about and that mm -hmm. that I find fulfillment in and and I'm doing that in different areas. Music is one of them for sure, and mm -hmm. and software consulting is another, and and the stuff that we're doing at Elusive Moose. So I wanted to kind of bring that all together and show people how you know this quest for fulfillment. Um, played out because, you know, I made a lot of mistakes along the way and learned a lot of things and, and, you know, debunked a lot of my own assumptions. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the, the sort of overarching theme of the talk. And it plays into what I mentioned before about how elusive moose is really becoming this platform that complements these two sides of, of work, um, where we've got the tactical and we have the more conceptual. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I'm doing going forward with the moose is, you know, I, I love project management. I've always, Really enjoyed it. I'm a process guy, mm -hmm. um, and I've I've taught and a certified and, Scrum master. Absolutely, <laughs> so, love that phrase. Um, isn't that great? It is. Uh, it just feels. It, sometimes it just feels dirty. It, yeah, uh, yeah. There's that. <laughs> there's that whole thing of like uh, most people just not knowing what it is, but then right. actually doing a little research and finding it's actually a good thing and and uh, something very worthy to <laughs> attain. Anyway. Uh, but I'm going to be, uh, I've already started, but my focus for the next six months or so, and maybe beyond that, is mm -hmm. is really about bringing, you know, what I've done with project management to the Elusive Moose community and and um, sharing, you know, all the experience that I've had over the years, uh, developing some programs around that, developing some courses around that where people, you know, there's a lower um, uh, entry into to getting this information and experiencing this information rather than me, you know, necessarily coming out and spending a few days in your office, you know, I'm going to scale it, right, so that more people can participate. You so that's are, a very by the way, welcome to come out and spend a few days at our office if you'd like to do that on this subject. That would be fantastic. Yes. We'll have to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, so on one hand, it's a very tactical, practical, um, you know, offering, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's making your, your processes better. But on the other hand, I'm going to continue exploring this idea of enjoying your work and, and the fulfillment, uh, the quest for fulfillment, the quest for um, really aligning yourself with the kind of work that you should be doing. And that that isn't just the actual physical work. It's, it, you know, what you do is very important and being able to acknowledge and recognize what it is that um, that you should be doing like day to day with, your, you know, getting your hands dirty. But there's also the industries that you work in. You know, are you aligned with those industries? Is that something right. you're, that you're excited about? And and what's your culture? You know, what's the culture around your your business? Uh, if you ignore any of those dimensions, um, then you're not guaranteed to, mm -hmm. to have a bad time. But you're definitely at risk of not really being fulfilled in your work. You know, I was doing software development, and I was working with great clients, and I was working in a lot of industries I loved. But mm -hmm. the culture around the work that I was doing wasn't good, mm -hmm. and eventually I got burned out, and I just wanted to quit. So, so. I'm also going to be exploring that and continue down that path and just trying to, to, to offer information and resources and experience around getting better, but also getting better in a way that makes you very, you know, fulfilled and excited and, you know, excited to get up Monday morning, and go to work. 
Yeah, maybe even the phrase I, I've been sort of pondering as you said it, just the phrase "enjoy your work" not being so simple. There's like the "enjoy your work" and there's the "work you enjoy." You know, you can you can just change your mindset about what you're doing right now. And like I love what you said, just enjoy the full range of emotions about it. But then also you can choose different work or different ways of doing it and change what you're doing, still within the same vein. Absolutely. Knowing that that's what you're going to enjoy more just because you're hardwired to enjoy that more. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's just my, little tweaks, right? Little yeah. perspective changes that you can make and all of a sudden things open up for you. I'm so. not sure how good it how good at this I am, but I definitely try with my staff here at AppWorks um, to make sure that everybody who works here is working on things that they really enjoy and, uh, you know, to try to actually divvy up the tasks that need to get done to people who really enjoy those things. Um, it makes such a big difference. Like it doesn't take that much to be like, this person would really like to work on that music client. Yep. Or this person really likes this particular technical aspect. Yep. Um, and then we get something. And, and I think sometimes people don't ask. And if you find something that needs to get done that nobody currently enjoys doing, hire someone who enjoys that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. what we're doing now. And it's funny. I think, and the thing that's funny is lots of times you work with people who like the same things you do. So you think mm-hmm. nobody else would want to do, you know, data management or data cleanup. And guess what? There are people who like it. Me. I do, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, there's different, everyone has different needs. And you get, oh, everybody, of course, wants this. And that's not, that's not true. I've run into people like a, like the typical party conversation. Oh, what do you do? And you tell them, uh, yeah, I'm a re- relational database developer. And you, they ask more about it, and they're just like cringing, like can't imagine <laughs> ever enjoying that kind of work or or looking at things with that amount of detail. And <laughs> you spent yeah. 20 hours working on a data model and actually importing data from 15 different spreadsheets to put it together so that an accountant could more efficiently analyze oh that just sounds horrible and i'm like oh my god that sounds fun <laughs> i know i'm over here smiling about it like just the accomplishment you yeah. know and the complexity it's funny that's great um so what's next is there uh, so you've got the videos coming uh you said when january no before then yeah, we're gonna start. We're gonna start releasing the videos to to members um, in, a, in a week or two. I think okay. from from the time we're recording this, mm-hmm. um, we're not gonna put them all out at once. It can be kind of overwhelming, you know, and people just kind of go, "Oh, it's too much. I can't," you know. So we thought it'd be it'd be cool this year since we have a model in place. We have uh, a great uh, membership base mm-hmm. to you know put out one a week, one every other week, um, so people can really focus on it. And um, so that'll be happening until the end of the year. And then Molly has some other great stuff uh, coming up for members after the first of the year. Mm-hmm. You want to talk yeah. about that for a minute? Yeah, I kind of mentioned it earlier that so even based on some of those videos, it might be like, hey, you know, did you watch the video on scheduling? We're going to we're going to spin up a conversation discussing further that topic. Or I'm going to have Jonathan on a live interview mm-hmm. to discuss the topic he just did. So I think that'll be fun because I think um, having more of the interactive and being able to follow up with the questions after you've actually seen the material or, you know, or just jump right in and watch it. So I'm going to do some of those, try and do a lot more interaction between members. And then, um, and then, like I said, we're gonna, probably going to put some training resources out as well. And we're both uh, looking forward to FileMaker DevCon this year, especially because it's in my favorite place. Yes. Phoenix. Phoenix. Um, yeah, that and that apparently the Desert Ridge where we've had DevCon a few times before had a big yeah. um, renovation. So oh, it's really? not going to be the same as it we saw last time. I think they've added a bunch huh. of new things. And, I seem um, to remember yeah. it as pretty nice. It Lazy was really River. great. Yeah, the Lazy River pool was the best pool of any DevCon, I think. 
<laughs> so that was by far my favorite uh, location. Absolutely. You know, it was, and I think it's it's not just. It was just how it was set up. Like, I like that the bar is in the middle, kind of the common spaces in the middle. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you were coming or going from, you would see people. So I'm yes. looking forward to that. Like, just it was very interactive. You could find people. Yep. Um, yeah, the bar had the indoor-outdoor. So if you wanted to be outside and you could be up there it's really late at night and it was quiet, you could have quiet conversations. Um, yeah. If you really had to, you could jump over the fence and get into the pool late, late at night. Um, which right. we did for a couple of times. <laughs> if you had to. If we had to. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, look forward to it. All right. Well, it's always great to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for letting us share share what's going on and of course. check in with you. All right. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Matt. <laughs>